0: So, that's the announcement for this evening. You've come to study the book of Revelation tonight, and I'm very blessed to see so many of you here, but I've got to give you a little bit of insight here to a pastor's heart. I tell somebody back there hey isn't it great to see you I say yeah but you know what I'm not satisfied I'm not satisfied because not every chair is filled in this place and there's a reason why I'm not satisfied because there's a tremendous blessing in hearing and reading the book of Revelation and I don't know why somebody doesn't want to get blessed I want you to be blessed so you're going to be blessed tonight not because it's me You didn't come to hear me teach you the book of Revelation. You know what you came to do? You came to study the book of Revelation to receive the blessings that God wants to give you. And the blessings of understanding about the days and the times in which we live. By the way, that blessing we're going to read in just a moment is in verse 3. It says, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. That is the blessing I would want the whole church to receive. So tonight we're going to go through this study on Revelation. So let's turn to the first chapter. And verses 1 through 3. And by the way, this is going to be introductory, which gives you a challenge. And the challenge is this. Will you be back for part two? I hope you are. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record... Let's move this along here. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ... And of all things that he saw, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. How many of you believe tonight that the time is at hand? Good. The time is at hand. I was thinking of the words of Jesus in Matthew. When he was speaking of the times to come. And he said to his disciples, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are The beginning of sorrows. If Jesus could have spoken those words, those last few words in our vernacular today, he would have said, All of that's just the beginning of sorrows. That's just the start. And I think that most of us, if we continue to read on, we begin to realize all of the things that Jesus was talking about, we are seeing today. We have seen. We've been seeing over the past 20, 30, 40 years. As a matter of fact, nearly 40 years back when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the things that was very uh, very prevalent in the church at the time were teachings dealing with the return of Jesus Christ. Dealing with the nearness of His coming. Dealing with the rapture of the church. Dealing with the great tribulation period. Dealing with nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Because in those days, there were a lot of situations that were brewing... With communism as rampant as it was. With societal situations tearing up homes and families. Little by little in those days, now it's, it's rampant. A lot of things happening. And one of the things that we focused upon in those days was... What is it that the book of Revelation is saying? Because as we read through it, we may have thought then that it was a hard book to to read, but then all of a sudden we're seeing things happening that are actually taking place. Again, that's 40 years ago. 40 years later, they're becoming clearer and clearer. So what we're doing here tonight is quite significant. It's getting ourselves focused on the days in which we live and on the times that are to come. Tonight we're going to begin our study in this most fascinating and yet very controversial book called the Book of Revelation. It has been known at times by various designations given uh, to it in the headings of a few Bible translations. For example, in the King James, it's called the Revelation of St. John the Divine. Every time I open up one of my own King James versions of the Bible, I I go and I I mark in the revelation of, and I don't cross out John the Divine, but I put right next to of, I put the revelation of Jesus Christ, given to John, because that's really what it is. I mean, most of other translations say the revelation of Jesus Christ, others just say revelation. But the most accurate is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is so because the word revelation means the unveiling or, or the revealing from the Greek word apocalypsis, from which we get the word the English word apocalypse. Now a lot of times people apply the word apocalypse to uh, certainly end time things and that's okay, but, but, but they, they, they apply it in such a way that makes it sound like the word apocalypse is some, you know, some thing where you know, there's some, some massive terrible thing is going to happen. No. Apocalypse is a very simple word. It just means unveiling. It means a revealing. And if this book reveals anything or anyone, its purpose is to reveal for us Jesus Christ. It is going to reveal for us Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, again, if we read the, first, the very first words of this book, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, what makes this book so controversial and difficult for most people to understand is that most people treat it as a covered or a hidden book. I've actually heard some some preachers say and some, some pastors say, I, "I I would never study the, uh, the I even try to teach the Book of Revelation." And I would say, well, that's just sad. Haven't you read the third verse? Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear. There's a blessing with the book of Revelation. Don't you want to bless your people? I want, I want you to be blessed. This is why we're doing this. So it, it's not a covered book. It's not hidden. Apocalypse means it's not mysterious. We just have to interpret it scripture by scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, just like we do all the other books of the Bible. So they treat it as if it's a covered book, as if it never can be understood, so they treat it as some major mystery. Which brings to mind a a quote from from Winston Churchill, the the late uh, Prime Minister of Great Britain, who once described the former Soviet Union this way. He called them a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Now if you all know those words there, a riddle, mystery, and enigma, they all actually mean the same thing. So it's an interesting way of putting something, isn't it? That's the way some people are looking at the book of Revelation. Oh, it's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma, and yet the Bible says, just like the text we just read, it's a revelation, it's a revealing, it's an unveiling, it's an uncovering. Unfortunately and tragically, too many people are viewing it as a covered book. So it's my prayer that as we go through this study of Revelation, you would have a clear understanding of this book. Uh, we might not be able to pinpoint every event down to the tiniest detail, because I can tell you this, in 40 years, a lot of details have been filled in, since I first started reading the book of Revelation. So uh, we may not get to every detail but we should have a good picture of the things that are going to be taking place and I believe taking place very shortly now when people study Revelation they tend to focus on issues such as the person of the Antichrist and that's okay we're going to do that or they begin to focus much more on the cataclysmic events that will take place in the end times they, they, they want to draw attention to on, on the false prophet but we're going to do that make no mistake we're going to cover some of these things By the way, we're not going to cover them all tonight, okay? I didn't want you to think we're going to cover the book of Revelation in one night. It's not going to happen. You've got to come back. And then you've got to keep coming back. Because I'm going to tell you what the reality is. The reality is, we get excited about the start of something. But I tell you what, are you going to be challenged enough to keep coming back to the very end? Because the reality is, we always taper off. So I'm challenging you because you're here tonight. Stick with it. doesn't matter how fast we go. And those of you who know me know that that's, you know, it could take a little time. But it's alright. Because we're going to learn. And we're going to be blessed. But here's the thing. We're going to be looking at all of these issues, drawing attention on the false prophet. But, but that's not our focus. That's not the main focus. That's the point I'm trying to make here. We want, to talk, we want to look at the one world government. We're going to see something about that in the book of Revelation. The one world religion. We're going, to, we're going to cover some of these things. The cashless society and so on and so forth. And if these are some of the reasons that you've come to study the book of Revelation, I must say that I hate to disappoint you, but those aren't to be our main focus. I don't mean that we won't touch on them. We most certainly will. But our focus throughout our time in the book of Revelation will be the unveiling of Jesus Christ in all of His glory as He comes back to set up His kingdom on this earth. That is what we're going to be looking at. That is what we're going to be studying. And by the way, He is going to rule and He's going to reign for a thousand years from Jerusalem as the scriptures teach us. Now why do I mention that? I mention that because a lot of people today really don't put a lot of weight in Jerusalem. And they don't put a lot of weight in Bible prophecy. And they don't put a lot of weight in the people of Israel. And they don't put a lot of weight in the nation of Israel. But I've got to tell you this, that if we don't put weight on those things and on those people, we are not going to study the book of Revelation properly. And in fact, we're not even going to study the Bible properly if we discard and disapprove uh, uh, of things of that nature. There is an Israel, by the way. And there is a Jerusalem. Some of us will be there in a few weeks. And Jesus was there. And Jesus is coming back there again. So let's, let's, let's begin to realize how important this study is. And please remember this. This is a statement I don't have up here. I don't think I do. No, I don't. See? Empty. So you've got to listen to it. But I want you to remember this. The book of Revelation is... The only book in the New Testament that presents our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as He really is today. I'm going to repeat that because I want you to remember this. The book of Revelation is the only book in the New Testament that presents our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as He really is today. Now, why can I say that? Well... During his incarnation, and the incarnation, of course, was when God came and took on himself uh, human flesh and form through Jesus Christ. So during his incarnation, the Gospels portrayed Jesus as the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But the book of Revelation presents him in his true majesty and glory after his resurrection and ascension into heaven. Never again to be reviled, never again to be rebuked, never again to be spat upon like he was. That's the way the gospels had to portray him. We had to see him as the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But in the book of Revelation we see him as he is today high and lifted up and glorified. So consider, if you will, this simple outline. In chapters 1 through 3, Jesus is described and portrayed as king and priest, exalted over all his church, ministering and serving and correcting his body. In chapters 1 through 3, Who's the focus of chapters 1 through 3? What have we learned today? What's the focus? Who's the focus of the book of Revelation? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's okay. You can talk to me. I got ears. They're big too. So you can. They don't work as well as they used to, but I, I can hear you. So notice how we're doing this. This outline is showing you Jesus throughout the book of Revelation look at the next portion chapters 4 and 5 Jesus is seen as the glorified Lamb of God in heaven what's the focus of chapters 4 and 5? Jesus Christ then in chapters 6 through 18 now this is a pretty long uh, area here but in chapters 6 through 18 Jesus is displayed as the judge over all the earth we begin to see in chapter 6 the judgments that are going to come upon the earth. They're lining up already, folks. Make no mistake. The judgments are lining up. And there are a number of judgments: trumpet judgments, bowl judgments. seals and all then in chapter 19 Jesus Christ is resplendent as the returning king of kings and lord of lords we see Jesus in a way that he's never been described in the scriptures and then in chapter 20 to the very end of the book Jesus Christ is unveiled as the bridegroom taking his bride the church into the heavenly city. You want to talk about hope? There's some hope there. There's a lot of people today who have no hope. We're right now in the midst of a presidential campaign. We look around the world, we see what's happening in the Middle East, we see all of the problems that have been uh, bubbling and, and have been bubbling over for the last few years, but all the more today. All of these things matter. Values matter. Morality matters. Issues matter because God's Word never changes. God is the same from beginning to end. Jesus Christ is the same as it says in Hebrews 13. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. These things matter. We have some hope. We have hope to give to the world. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming for His bride. Let Let me also point out to you that there is tremendous value in the study of the book of Revelation. There's four things here. The value of studying the book of Revelation. As I mentioned already, Revelation promises a special blessing to those who read the book. Revelation promises a special blessing to those who read the book of Revelation. So I want to encourage you that tonight, read the book of Revelation. Read all of chapter 1 in preparation for next week. Keep reading. Read it and listen to the words as you read it. By the way, and I'll, I'll mention this when we get to verse 3 one of these days. But when we get to verse 3, we're going to see that that word, read, actually means to read out loud. If you have to get in your own little prayer closet or in your own room when you're doing your own devotions, read the word of God out loud, especially in the book of Revelation. Because there's a blessing in it. But not only the reading and the hearing, but of, of the doing. Remember that it says, those who keep the words of this prophecy. Secondly, Revelation reveals God's plan for the future. I know that's most of our interest here. What's God going to do in the near future? I want to know myself. That's why I'm here. I'm with you, see? I want to know too. Thirdly, Revelation gives clearer detail concerning Bible prophecy than any other book in the Bible. There are a lot of prophecies, especially the Old Testament, because realize this... Revelation is the book of prophecy in the New Testament. But throughout all of the Old Testament, there are tremendous prophecies pointing to the last days. But they're not as clear as the book of Revelation, because Revelation, what Revelation is doing is showing us the fulfillment of many of those prophecies, if not all the prophecies, in some way. So we're going to see how that's going to be fulfilled and how that is going to come about for us to understand... What we've been reading in the Old Testament, what we've been reading in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and uh, and in Daniel and and so on and so forth. Especially in Jeremiah and Daniel. I'm going to quote from them tonight. Revelation then, fourthly, Revelation completes the circle of biblical truths. Now this is very important. The book of Revelation completes the circle of biblical truths. Now, we need to get to that. Because on that fourth point, let me give you some examples, being that we're continuing our studies in the book of Genesis, and this is a good time to link the two studies together. So think about this. Genesis reveals man's beginnings in a beautiful paradise, doesn't it? Back there in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. But in Revelation, it shows us the wonderful paradise that is to come. Do You see the completeness, the circle... Of completeness, Genesis to Revelation, and then Genesis shows how man lost his opportunity. Well, get the clicker going. Genesis shows how man lost his opportunity to eat of the tree of life back in Genesis three verses twenty-two through twenty-four. Why? Because he disobeyed God. He, could, he, he was told, you could eat of any tree in the whole of the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because on the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. But that tells us that he could have had access directly to the tree of life. So he lost that opportunity to eat of the tree of life because once that was done, God protected the tree of life. Until when? Until the book of Revelation because in Revelation it shows us that man will yet eat of that tree Revelation 22 verse 2 we will eat of that tree do you see that circle and the completion of that circle the circle of biblical truth and then Genesis tells us of man's first rebellion against God which of course was Genesis 3 and 4 but Revelation promises an end to man's rebellion against God. So there's rebellion begun in Genesis, but rebellion ends in the book of Revelation. And then Genesis records the first murder. Who was that? Cain? First drunkard? Oh, I've got to go back to your notes. No, that's not tested. <laughs> The first murderer, the first drunkard, and the first rebel. You know, that, that's what Genesis records. I bring that up because in Revelation, it makes a promise. In, verse, uh, in Revelation 21, verse 27, it says, There shall in no wise enter in anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, we start seeing all of these sins, which are going to grow, of course, even up to this day and age. But the book of Revelation promises then none of that will be in the kingdom of God. None of that. Genesis records the first death, and Revelation promises that there shall be no more death. Revelation 21, verse 4. Genesis shows the beginning of the curse. Revelation shows us that the curse is lifted. Genesis introduces the devil for the first time as the tempter of men, but Revelation shows us the final doom God. Of Satan, he will be cast into the lake of fire. So now let's consider, if you will, some of the more prophetic themes upon that, or themes that we will be dealing with in our study of Revelation as they pertain to the end times, and and uh, this is really important for us to kind of begin to lay that foundation for understanding this as the prophetic book. But there is a significant phrase. That is used early on in Revelation that helps us to distinguish the time frames that are revealed in the apocalypse, which of course is the book of Revelation. It is the key that unlocks the door to the entire outline of Revelation. We all need the key to get in to understand this. So here's the key that unlocks the entire outline of Revelation. And that is Revelation 1 verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen. Jesus is speaking to John. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Write the things which thou hast seen, past, the things which are, present, and the things which shall be hereafter, the future. This verse is the key to the book. It tells us that there is a past, a present, and a future in this book, and the threefold division is very clear. The things which John saw refer to the vision of the glorified Christ. Now that's partly in chapter 1. But remember this. John, who is the Apostle John, John saw Jesus. John touched Jesus. John embraced Jesus. John heard Him. He walked with Him. He supped with Him. He saw him in his his passion, uh, the struggle when he was about to go to the cross. He saw him on the cross. As a matter of fact, John was the only one there, there before the cross with Mary, the mother of Jesus, when Jesus died. Then John saw Jesus risen from the dead. And he saw Jesus glorified and ascending into heaven. The angel would say, as you have seen him leave, so you shall see him come. As you see him go with the clouds, he's going to come with the clouds. So this was how John John was was chosen to to be able to be the one who had seen him in his glorified state. But he sees him again now in chapter 1, glorified way beyond what he had ever seen him. But that's dealing with the past. But then the things which are referred to the letters to the seven churches or the history of the church. They were present at that time in, uh, of John's uh, writing. The seven churches of Asia. Chapters 2 and 3. That was the present. And then there were the things which shall be hereafter. The future things, you see. Chapters 4 all the way through 22. So the, the majority of, of the book of Revelation is futurism. Chapters 4 through 22. That's a lot of chapters. And they deal with future things. They deal with end time events. And so we're dealing with what we call prophetic, or I'm sorry, predictive prophecy. Predictive prophecy. Understand that in the scriptures, you can start in the Old Testament, that there are times prophecies that are given that are not necessarily predictive. They may be corrective prophecies. They may be prophecies that are given to to encourage But there are also predictive prophecies, prophecies that predict things to come because God, when He gives them, has seen the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Therefore, we are being given things that were written thousands of years ago, yet we're beginning to see them come to pass in our day and time. That's predictive prophecy. So throughout our study of Revelation... We will define and explain future events such as the rapture of the church and distinguish that event from the second coming of Christ because they are distinct. We will also deal with an event known as the tribulation period. This is a seven year period of time when the Lord will pour out his wrath upon a Christ rejecting world. Do you believe today that the world is rejecting Christ more and more? We see it, don't we? And the sad thing is we see it in our own country, in our own nation, a nation which was founded upon the principles, the Judeo-Christian principles that are based in our Bibles, in the Word of God. And yet we kowtow to all of this stuff, that's offensive, and you shouldn't use that, and you should take this off, and we shouldn't see any crosses here or any crosses there. It's a Christ-rejecting nation. Once we've joined in hand in hand with the world, guess what? We are closer now to the coming of Christ than ever before. So let's not look at this to the extent that we're saying, oh, this is just dreadful. It is dreadful, but one thing is for sure. It's telling us something. Jesus is going to come soon. That's what we need to be ready for. Jesus is coming soon, and you don't reject Christ, do you? Only five people in this place don't reject Christ. You don't reject Christ, do you? No, of course not. We're here because we want to know what Jesus is going to do. When is he going to do it? We don't know because why? The scripture tells us why. He says, nobody knows a day or an hour, but I'm coming, so you better be ready. You see. These things are important. So this last half, I was talking about the tribulation period. Christ rejecting world. There we go. Okay. The last half of that seven year period, it's called the tribulation period, uh, the last half is known as the great tribulation period. The last three and a half years of this seven year period. And our focus then will be upon unbelievers. Now listen carefully. It'll be upon unbelievers as well as the Jewish people. For the church will not be prominent at all from chapter four on. This is not a book about the church. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Where is is the church? We're going to talk about that. Why is the church not mentioned from chapter 4 to chapter 22? It's not mentioned. Let me give you a little hint. It's not mentioned. Because we're going to be with Jesus. Because he he has already come for us, you see. And he's taken us home. So in those seven years, we're going to be with Him. Then we come back with Him when He comes back to this earth. Okay, but that's just... No, no, tell everybody that's what's going to happen. That's an exciting thing we need to understand. We need to know. By the way, going back to Matthew 24 for just a moment. This is something that Jesus said in that... Olivet Discourse. He said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation... Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which, on the house top, which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. By the way, back in, chapter, in verse 16, Judea, does anybody live here in Judea? No, okay. What is that telling you? It's a specific place, isn't it? Okay verse 17 let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house how many of you live on top of your roof you know they do they do that only in, in Jerusalem today in, well in Israel ok so guess, guess what what is Jesus telling us the things that are happening in the end times are they just going to happen like in Albuquerque or Atlanta no Judea. Specific. Jesus knows what he's talking about. And then he says in verse 18, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give up in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. That's significant too, isn't it? Jesus is pointing some facts out that don't pertain to to the Western culture, actually. But pertain to Jewish people. Notice what he says. For then, for then shall be great tribulation. We are going to study that. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor, known nor ever shall be, and except those days be shortened. There should no flesh be saved, but the elect's sake, those days shall be short. For the elect's sake, for those whom God is is keeping, those days shall be short. This is no time here to play with, with symbolism and spiritually saying, you know, well, this is just, you know, no, no, no. Jesus was talking about Judea. He was talking about Jerusalem. He was talking about a real place at a real time. Concerning those places, Jeremiah also has some opinions. Very much so, they're opinions given by inspiration by God. He says, and these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord... We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man does travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. There it is. Sorry about that. Alas, he says, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Well, we're going to see how the time of Jacob's trouble is connected to this time of great tribulation. And then there's the statement of Daniel in Daniel 9, verse 24. Or the statement given to Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Who are, who are Daniel's people? Israel. And upon thy holy city. What holy city was Daniel's holy city? Jerusalem. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins? And to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to to anoint the most holy. And we're going to come back to Daniel quite a bit throughout our time in the book of Revelation. But the subject of this prophecy is the Jewish people and the city of Jerusalem, not El Paso and certainly not Rome and not Geneva where John Calvin lived, and not in Germany where Luther was, or anybody else. Not in any place where man has been, except for where God says it's going to be. It's going to be in Israel and in Jerusalem. This is where the last days are going to find their fulfillment. And if I might borrow the term used by Joel Rosenberg... Jerusalem itself is the epicenter of the whole world. It is the very center of what is taking place prophetically in all of this world. Why over the last few years? And I should say, actually the last 40, 50 years, 60 years. Let's, 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 let's take it all the way back to to June, uh, or I, I should say May of 1948 uh, the, the, the birthplace or the birth time of, of, of the nation of Israel go all the way back and realize that the day on the day, the very day that the United Nations by one vote you might as well count it our vote Israel became the state of Israel and the nation of Israel On that very day, the Arab nations surrounding Israel all wanted to destroy them. And as the words of their leaders were, let's drive them into the Mediterranean Sea. They have been fighting for their existence all of this time. And I can tell you that God has had his hand on those people. You go through every war that they've had to deal with, from that time of of just staying in existence in the 40s, 1956 when another drive was, was pushed upon them 1967 when the Six Day War took place in 1973 the Yom Kippur War and every intifada after that God still has his hand on Israel God has not removed his hand because those are his people that is his city so please understand that as we come into our study of the book of Revelation it's going to be very prominent We'll have much more to say about these prophecies as we move on in our study of Revelation, but it is important that we study it from the future or futuristic perspective, for that is indeed its intent. We are going to study the book of Revelation from a futuristic perspective. The reason there is so much confusion and fear in approaching the book of Revelation has to do with other theological perspectives that really don't line up with God's word to present the proper interpretation of these prophecies. So I I want just to very quickly give you some of the other approaches, some of the other perspectives. The first one is called the preterist approach. There are a lot of people today in the church that hold to this preterist approach. What is the preterist approach? Well, the word "preter" comes from a Latin word which means the past, and they are those who view revelation from this perspective, uh, in that that all the events of the of the book of Revelation are already past and not future. Now, man, you I mean that you really have to. Twist the scripture to get that, to get it to, to kind of hold on to that kind of thought. The, the problem is simply that Jesus didn't return in A.D. 70 because you know Jesus has to come back at the end of the tribulation period, right? Jesus is going to come back at the end of the tribulation period, but they they say that the tribulation period is is A.D. 70. That's when Rome, you know, was, was uh, you know invading uh, uh, Israel and, and, and actually destroyed Israel. <laughs> It doesn't work. Jesus didn't come back in 8070 in the sense that he came back to set up his kingdom. He didn't. And by the way, the book of Revelation was written years later, and we'll talk about that next week. So, how that all fits in is, is just that, that, well, you know, it was already past. I mean, there are certain words that we're going to talk about as we go on, but there are certain words that they say, well, this, this gives us indication that, that it's, it, it's past. No, it isn't past. And we'll prove that through the study of the scriptures. Then there's the historical approach. And the historical approach is that Revelation is a sweeping historical panorama of all church history and has nothing to do with end time events. Has nothing whatsoever to do with the end time. It's just history. The book of Revelation is just kind of showing us history for all of the church. And then there's the symbolic approach. And the symbolic approach sees Revelation as, as not as future, not as predictive prophecy, but it's nothing more than allegories of spiritual truths so just a lot of stories of spiritual truths so revelation is not to be taken literally you're going to find out that as we go through the book of revelation with a futuristic perspective and approach that you can take these things for the most part literally almost all of it literally But then there's the spiritual approach. And this approach emphasizes the perennial battle between good and evil. The whole reason for the book of Revelations is just to show that there is a battle between good and evil. It isn't just symbolism as it negates what Revelation says is going to take place and it rejects John's point and why he wrote it. So it's just a story of the battle between good and evil. Hey, you can get that with... You know, the lord of the rings right and in a, in a kind of an evil way with the harry potter stuff you know well there's good and evil but folks that's not what this isn't to be comparable to that kind of stuff it has a predictive element to it the book of revelation has a predictive element to it and of course that leaves us then of course with a futuristic approach Which is much more in line with the scriptures as a whole. Now I think you'll agree with me with these statements that I'm going to make. There is a Messiah for a people known as Israel. There is a people still known as Israel. There is still a land known as Israel. And there is a promised Messiah whose name is Yeshua, Jesus, coming to redeem a promised people known as Israel and coming to establish his kingdom in a city known as Jerusalem. Yes, we agree with these things. But universally, universally what was paradise lost in Genesis will become the paradise regained in the book of Revelation. Although the gate to the tree of life was closed in the book of Genesis, it is now opened forevermore in the book of Revelation. Isn't that a wonderful thought as we prepare to study this book? You see, what was lost when sin entered the world will be regained as Jesus returns to set up His kingdom and rule and reign for a thousand years and then on into eternity as He creates a new heavens and a new earth for us to dwell with Him. I want you to remember the words of of Paul in Romans chapter 8. Paul said in verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Aren't you just tired of living in this earth, in this world? I mean, I'm talking about spiritually, you know, in the sense that aren't you just tired? Aren't you just waiting? Aren't you just ready for Jesus to come? I'm ready for Jesus to come. I I, I look at the condition of the world today and I think, man, Lord, come quickly, please. And you know that's, that's the cry of the church. In the book of Revelation, we're going to we're going to learn a word. The word is Maranatha. And that word maranatha means Lord, come quickly. It's the cry of the church. It was the cry of the early church, the church that was persecuted. It's the cry of the church that has been persecuted. It is the cry of the church that today is waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as we look at the condition of the world. And you know, as we've been waiting for this, we're getting older, aren't we? Our bodies are getting older. We're getting a little worn out here. They're getting a little tougher to wake up every morning. The knees creak a little bit, a little bit more every day, you know. Things like that are happening to all of us. I don't care how old you are or young you are. Now, I'm not just, this is not, you know, one of these things about making you all feel bad. I, I feel good some days. I feel real good. Good enough to say, you know what, Lord, I want to do whatever it is you want me to do today because I want you to be honored and glorified in my life. So, Lord, wherever you take me, Lord, let me be a witness. Lord, wherever you take me, let me be a light, because wherever I go, I know there's going to be darkness, so let me be the light that will help. Because you said I am the light of the world. You called us all to be lights of the world. You called us to be the salt of the earth. And because Jesus is coming soon, we need to be ready. So, isn't it a wonder why God has put us in between the two uh, bookends of the Scriptures? Genesis and Revelation. We're studying them now together. The book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. The book of Revelation is the consummation of all things. That means this is an important book for us to read and to apply to our lives. It is not that hidden or closed book, but there are built-in blessings, as we will see for those who read and hear and apply these things to their lives. Now, one more point before we get to verse 1. Oh, by the way, we are going to get to verse 1, hopefully very quickly here. But the reason that many have such a hard time understanding this book is that they don't know the Old Testament. They don't know the Old Testament. Let me explain. Out of the 404 verses in the book of Revelation, 278 contain references to the Old Testament. That's almost 70% of the book of Revelation. Also, it has been calculated that there are over 500 references or allusions to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Thus, if you know the Old Testament, which I like to call the Hebrew Scriptures, but if you know the Old Testament, this book will not be difficult for you. But if you don't know the Old Testament, this study hopefully will try to help you understand as we let Scripture interpret Scripture. So guess what? Let's go to verse 1. You ready to study the book of Revelation? We'll be here till 12, but you know, hey. No, I'm just kidding. We're almost done. I just needed to get to verse 1 because I wanted you to know I'm serious about going through this verse by verse. So guess what? we got one verse tonight. Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him, to show unto His servants things which must shortly come to pass, and He sent it and signified it by His angel unto His servant John. Now, as already mentioned, the word revelation, the word apocalypsis, means to uncover and to unveil. It means to pull back a covering or a veil that is hiding something. It means to make known something. To reveal something that a person could not find out for himself. It is a revelation of the truth that man could never discover for himself. This is what the book of Revelation is. It is the great revelation of Jesus Christ to his servants and to his followers. And as it is worded in the Greek language, this book is Jesus' revelation of himself. It is Jesus' revelation in the sense that it belongs to him, and hence, he is the one doing the revealing. But notice this, it was the revelation of Jesus Christ given to him by God the Father. It is also Jesus' revelation of himself in the sense that he is the object being revealed. He is the very object of the book of Revelation. And the Lord has given this revelation so that it might be shown to His servants, not hidden from His servants. So again, there is the revealing of the book of Revelation. Take note that the revelation was given to Jesus Christ by God the Father. When Jesus Christ was upon the earth, He said the following about His return and end time events. He said in Mark thirteen thirty two. He said, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man... No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Now, that was voluntary on Jesus' part. But there's reason for this. Because when Jesus ascended into heaven, after the resurrection, when Jesus ascended into heaven, God the Father revealed these things to Christ. So it wasn't a matter that he was keeping anything from the Lord, but he He, he, he did so to prove that Christ would be glorified and would then carry on the mission that He would have to redeem us eternally. So this is significant, for it means that the things we are about to learn did not come from man, but they came from God Himself. The revelation concerns things that God Himself wants us to know. Therefore, He gave them to His Son, and His Son has now revealed some things to us. This is in stark contrast to the prophets, the soothsayers, the astrologers, the ancient Mayans, by the way. You know, so many people say, oh, the Mayans say we're going to be gone on, the, on the December the 21st, 2012. Hey, they're already gone. They don't even exist anymore. So why are we listening to a bunch of dead people? But here it is, you know, the, the, the prophets, the soothsayers, the astrologers, the Mayans, the current religionists upon the earth... I mean, each claims to know about God and to have some revelation from Him. But here in the Bible, in the very Word of God itself, is the whole book that has come from the Son of God, a whole book that He Himself has authored. And what does God want us to know? He wants us to know this. Things which must shortly come to pass. Now, they're much closer to us now than they were to John, weren't they? Two thousand years but guess what? They're much closer now than ever before. And this is where we're going to begin next time. Aha! I had to lay down the foundation. Hope you understand that. But this is where we'll begin next time. But I want to leave you with a couple of verses. Because this, this is your... It's not so much your homework. This is your day work. This is your night work. This is your work work. This is what you're going to be called to do until the day of Christ. Notice, Matthew 24:42, And notice how many times Jesus says this in such a small area of the Scriptures. Watch, therefore. Watch, therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord does come. These are Jesus' words to His disciples. They are Jesus' words to us. Watch. Are you watching? Are you keeping a sign of the times? Are you watching the signs of the times? And are you watching the times of the signs? Watch. Secondly, verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready. Watch and be ready. Be vigilant. The Bible tells us that we need to be like soldiers, the soldiers of Jesus Christ. Soldiers do one thing they obey the commands of their superior officer. Our superior officer is Jesus Christ. He said, watch and be ready. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be attentive to everything going on around you. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh." Lastly, in chapter 25, verse 13, Jesus said, "Watch, therefore, for you neither know, or you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh." Three things he says the same. You don't know the day or the hour, you don't know the time. So be ready. But two things he emphasizes, one, especially: watch. And be ready. Watch, be ready, and watch. I like that sandwich. You have a ready sandwich between two pieces of watch. Watch, be ready, and watch. Because you don't know when Jesus is coming. God loves you. That's why He said, It's unveiled. I'm unveiled, Jesus said. And I'm coming for you. And I want you to be ready. Take hold of these truths tonight. I hope this has been a good foundation for our study of the book of Revelation. So guess when it starts, really? Right now. Start reading. Start writing questions down. Because my my goal is before the end of our study of the book of Revelation, no matter when that's going to be, whether it's in 2012, which it won't be, I can tell you that now, or by the end of 2013, which it could be, or beyond that, or the Lord can just come, which would even be better, because then we'll live the book of Revelation. But no matter when it's going to end, write down the questions. My goal is to answer those questions before you ask me the questions. That's my goal, because I want to teach you properly, and I want to rightly divide God's Word. So we're all in this together. We're all challenged to be here next week. Guess what? We have room for friends. Invite them to come. Let's fill this place, because you know what? There's a blessing to every word we read in God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you.